everyone. Welcome to M4G Advocacy Media. Welcome if you're joining us for the first time. My name's Mark. I'm Crystal. And we're recording on the Journey Series video podcast. And today our guest is Karina Sturm, and she's going to be talking about her um, her chronic illness and her journey and uh, her journey through filmmaking and all that stuff. Hi, Karina. Hi. Hello. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I guess start wherever you feel comfortable. <laughs> that makes, it makes sense. <laughs> okay, so you just want me to like go on a journey for the next hours and like tell you everything um well maybe i'll just start with uh like my my chronic illness journey so that people kind of know where i'm from and where i'm at and um also like the conditions i'm living with so uh, everything basically started in 2010 um where i developed some like really weird neurological symptoms um like I, my my whole body would be numb. Um, I would develop brain fog. I all of a sudden, like my joints would kind of go out of place. Um, my neck was very unstable, which meant that I had like a lot of um, brain issues as well with like concentration and motor issues. Um, and back then, um, I I lived in Germany. Um, yeah, I'm German. <laughs> 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 which you probably <laughs> noticed uh, based on my accent. <laughs> um, yeah, and I went from doctor to doctor, basically saw, uh, I think, probably up to 50 experts. Um, and oh. yeah, <laughs> and nobody mm-hmm. really knew what was going on. And like, honestly, most of them didn't even believe me um, because mm-hmm. I was a, a young woman with symptoms you couldn't really see right and um, with chronic pain which you can't really objectify and they just um, thought it was all in my head and they told me that I was just um, young and had like low blood pressure so maybe I needed to do some more sports Um, and others thought I had too much stress at work so I just needed to do some yoga and meditation (laughs) Uh, which I tried, but you know, my symptoms didn't go away because they weren't caused by that. Um, they were actually caused by um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a, a rare connective tissue disorder. Um, so that's like the short summary. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing after after um, I guess progressing along what whatever your journey was for a couple of years, you probably realized those 50 experts you saw weren't as much experts as you are. <laughs> yeah, that right? is very true. <laughs> I mean, it, it was really frustrating back then because it, it took me four years um, until I was diagnosed with a rare connective tissue disorder. Um, and I actually had to fly from Germany to the United States to get diagnosed Um, And I really, it was only coincidence that I landed at the one expert for my condition. Um, And I didn't even know that beforehand. So it was really just, just, yeah, by accident. And that's so sad because, you know, it's like 10 years later now, and I could still be undiagnosed if that didn't happen back then. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what, um, where did you need to go to find out for, for your, what is that called again? Ehlers-Danlos uh, syndrome. Ehlers yeah. Or in short, it's EDS. Um, mm -hmm. Well, so in my case, so Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is a connective tissue disorder and connective tissue is basically everywhere in the body, right? So in my case, um, my spine is mostly affected and especially my cervical spine. And because yeah. that um, got really, really bad in 2010 um, and I tried all kinds of treatments for years and nothing really happened. Like I just, it progressed downhill and then after my spine, other joints would just get worse and worse. Um, so I decided I would fly to the United States because um, they had some sort of like an experimental treatment um, to improve my joint stability. Um, and that didn't work. <laughs> so, but that was the initial reason why I came to the United States. Um, but then this doctor where I went for treatment was like, okay, there needs to be an underlying condition because something is like seriously wrong here. Um, and he recommended to see a neurosurgeon. And that neurosurgeon in Maryland was actually the one that diagnosed me with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome because he happened to be an expert on this. So that's kind of how that went. <laughs> so what other experiences have you had um, what is your, I guess, what is your experience in the American health, you know, system and then the German? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's complicated. Um, uh, I know. <laughs> well, so when I first came to the United States, I was only there as a visitor, right? So I didn't have health insurance. So I had to pay everything out of pocket anyway, which was oh, very wow. expensive. <laughs> Um, which basically also meant that I spent all my savings. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, you do what you have to do if you don't have any other options, right? right? Yeah. And I needed answers. So it was like, it, it was well worth the money, I would say. Um, but then a couple of years later, um, I actually moved to the United States because um, my husband worked there. So we came to the United States on a visa. And then I also had health insurance. And then the fun began. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm used to like really negative experiences with healthcare, even in Germany. Pretty much when you have a rare condition, it's it's not great in any country. It doesn't matter which one, right? right. Um, in the United States, at least I knew what I was signing up for because it's, it's not really um, a secret that healthcare is quite complicated there. Um, yeah. But I have to say that I probably had the best doctors ever in the United States because we had pretty good health insurance um, compared to other people. So I had access to some really, really great experts um, mm -hmm. and they were very knowledgeable. But I also know that if you don't have access to that kind of health insurance, right. then you, you also can through the cracks. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that was like a really, really big um, advantage in the United States compared to Germany, because Germany is a very small country. So if I'm lucky, I have maybe five experts for my condition in Germany. 
and they are all over the place. So that means I have to travel like really long distances to see them. You know, that's expensive too. So that was much easier in the United States. But then, of course, <laughs> I remember that's like my favorite my favorite health insurance bill that I ever got was was from an MRI scan. Mm -hmm. And they like actually charged my health insurance $15,000 uh, for yeah. MRI. I totally believe that. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Like my my copay with insurance was $1,500. Like yeah. I could actually pay three MRIs out of pocket in Germany for that money. <laughs> right <laughs> <Out of insurance. laughs> so that was that was ridiculous but yeah I mean I I knew that it was that way in the United States so I wasn't surprised yeah it's really sad though that companies and insurance they like to suck out every everything out of people especially if they have a you know disability or a permanent yeah. disability or anything you know uh any medical procedure you need or temporary disability whatever they will totally try to drain you they don't yeah. care i know <laughs> I they mean, don't care that you're not getting basic needs met and yeah. that you're not eating as long as you can shell out everything you have to pay them. Well, it's also, it's it's so sad because healthcare should never be about money, right? It should always be about the person mm -hmm. and it shouldn't depend on the money you have, you know, if you can see an expert or not, because everybody should have the right to see the person they need to see to get the treatment, the best possible treatment. But that's Absolutely. not reality. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also not reality in Germany either, right? Because um, if, so there are certain conditions that come along with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome where we don't have experts in Germany, like not at all, not one. So right. especially for the cervical spine issue I'm having, like most people have to go out of country for surgery. But then you don't get that paid because, you know, the Germans are like, wait, why should we pay thousands and thousands of dollars in the US? Because, you know, we are not used to like paying that much for any medical thing, really. Right. Um, but so but that means I don't have access to any sort of doctor, right? Because I don't have one in my country, but I'm also not allowed to go out of country. Mm -hmm. And that makes it really tricky too. And especially yes. it's, it's super frustrating because um, I know there are people that can help me, but I also know that I cannot afford to see them. And that's just making me so angry. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really devastating. The people who have good health insurance, you know, but what about the people that don't that don't even have a hope of mm. getting the comfort they need? They they don't have the luxuries to be able to go wherever they need to go and do whatever they need to do. See who they need to see to relieve some of that pain and some of that stress. 
uh, for them so they can focus on their lives, their friends, their family. And it's uh, it should be a basic human thing to have those needs met, whether it be basic needs or health needs. And what's confusing to me is, well, I don't want to say confusing because um, I totally get it. I understand what's going on. But <laughs> um, so big companies and, you know, of course, they're, they're benefiting. They're profiting off of people with disabilities or people with injuries or short-term, long-term, whatever. And they're, they're profiting off of it. You know, they're like, oh, yay, this girl, you know, she has this chronic, this going on and mm. this going on. We can suck her dry, you know. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the whole community and everybody that does this stuff. Yeah, that's very true. And it's like healthcare shouldn't be about profits anyways. Like insurance companies shouldn't make any profit because it's about the people, right? It's also Mm -hmm. what I will never understand. This was the one thing in the US I never really got. Um, Like, how is it legal that if my doctor thinks I need an MRI, that my insurance can say, no, I'm not paying for that. Like that can't be right, because if my doctor decides that I actually need this, then how can an insurance company deny that? And then I am responsible to fight them and it takes months. And during those months, I'm sitting at home and I'm scared, you know, because I I might have cancer and they're not allowing me to actually find out. And this could like literally be the time that decides whether I live or die. And it's just, I I don't get that. Like that made me so angry. (laughs) It's a very tough situation because it's like they're playing God. Yeah. You know, with your life, you know, deciding who should live who should get the right test and I don't care if this person dies, you know. Um it yeah, it's oh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> it makes me so mad too, but you know, oh and then like when I see how how privileged I am because you know I'm still a white woman, right? Um mm-hmm. and also I have the capacity to advocate for myself. Like I know so many people who just simply don't have the energy to do that. Like they can sit there and read through like 300 of pages of insurance um, text to see what their rights are. They don't have the time, the money or the energy to hire a lawyer or, you know, to just simply sit on the phone talking to these insurance people for hours and hours on end every day like it's exhausting and it's a full-time job and like it exactly (laughs) you know mark and i just recently dealt with that with the big companies like you know the electric company and the gas company and the phone companies you know where the same situation, they suck you dry. They they don't care. They're selfish. They'll take whatever, you know, 
especially like electric companies, you know, <laughs> and uh, so on so many different fronts, it's, you're dealing with egotistical, selfish people who don't care yeah. and it starts at the top. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, we know that is not the people, you know, that work for them. They're they're just doing what they have to do, what their boss tells them to do. And with what resources their boss gives them. So their hands are tied. Yeah. What they can offer us and what they can do for us. You know? Yeah, sometimes I feel sorry because I <laughs> I used to get very angry on the phone and, and like kind of well not scream at the person, but you know, I would get a little louder. <laughs> And I was like, well, that person probably can't even live off of the money they get paid for that job, yeah. right? Because they are not the person that makes the decision. But then it's also, who am I shouting at? I mean, <laughs> the only person I get to talk to, right? Right, um, right. Yeah, but it's it, it's a really screwed up system. But it's I really, honestly, I mean, I've seen the German health system um, right now I'm in Denmark so I'm seeing the Danish health system it's oh, like wow. it's it's not better I mean yes it's socialized so it's more affordable but the care you get is not better and it's if you have a rare disease you're in pretty much every country because you just don't have access to experts right uh. <laughs> So now we are all angry. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like we talk about these things, and it's just like we don't we don't want to say anything else because if we do, we're gonna wind up saying something that's gonna, you know, we're really gonna go oh, somebody. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but then also this needs to change, right? But you don't even know where to start because it's been like that for so long. And like, where do you even begin? Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. also there's there's a thing like, um, we, like we're saying, our conditions are full-time job. We don't have the energy to take down a... A government or some big <laughs> corporation or whatever. But that's the thing. There's so much corruption going on and so many things that we have to keep our eye on so that we're not getting, so that they're not taking advantage of our situation. We're having to really watch the numbers and the things that are you know, bidding on our bills and stuff like that. In between that, the insurance company and just trying to manage our disability, you know, yeah. that is a full-time job. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I but. very much hear that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've just recently been dealing with um, a family emergency, which included like figuring out caregiving and all that. And yeah. it's like, basically, I spend Ugh. half of my day on the phone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit of work every day because I need money to survive. I need money to pay for my bills. I need money to pay for my, like, mostly 
higher bills because of my disability and the needs I have. So it's like everything is already like much more expensive, but then I also have less energy and less time to like work so I can pay for those bills. And like in between, I'm expected to like take care of all my medical needs by myself, meaning, you know, like fight with insurance companies because they usually just deny like literally every request I made um, and yeah. then you're on the phone half day and it's like okay and when am I supposed to like do self-care like do my exercises and take care of my yeah. body yeah. and oh, then my God. work and then I'm supposed to you know cook and do some housework I'm like my day does not yeah. have enough hours yeah. That's part of yeah. their strategy, though, is this, yeah. is Definitely. just, okay, they, they probably tell their salespeople or whoever, okay, anything that comes in, just deny it. Mm -hmm. First step is deny it. Mm -hmm. Probably, probably half the people who uh, make a claim are just going to drop it because it got denied. Then uh, the next stage, if people are still still being stubborn then you know put them through this whole sort of thing and just break them down until eventually they just don't want to pursue right mark we are, mark and i have talked a lot about that that companies we've dealt with you know their ammo <laughs> is hoping that you're going to give up yeah. that you're going to no, it it's going to weigh you down and you're just going to give in. But that's the thing with me and Mark. We're very resilient and we're like, uh oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Me too. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> I'm the same, but it's also, again, I can see how other people don't have the luxury to do that, you know, because there exactly. are people with conditions that just simply do not have the energy to fight and, and, and to just like benefit as a company from people who do not have the energy to do that is so unfair and exactly. makes me so sick. <laughs> and that's part of why this platform exists. It well, it sticks by a lot of reasons, but uh, also to, for the people like you're talking about that can't advocate for themselves, that don't have the time, the energy, the ability to be able to fight these things. So yep. we've got to have people on the share their stories and we need to be talking about what we've seen as well so that other people not disabled and not dealing with this stuff can see the issues and yeah. see oh let's do this let's do that <laughs> this is not working and uh give give other kind of resources well, I mean, I think like my number one tip is just don't give up because that's what they are all hoping for, right? I mean, right. there there are statistics in, in Germany on um, like our equivalent to disability benefits that mm -hmm. basically says that about half of the people that apply for disability benefits get denied, right? And then most of them just give up because they think they won't get it anyways. 
right? Which makes it very easy for the companies that have to pay the disability benefits, right? Because you already have like half of those people gone and you don't have to spend money on them. So that's great, right? But it's also like what happens to those people and like how, because especially in Germany, we are, we are paying like from our taxes, right? To get those disability benefits if we need them. But we are always being treated like a fraud, like someone who isn't even disabled, who just wants to have the money, which is because, you know, that money isn't even enough to rent an apartment and to have food right. all month. Yeah, same like, thing here in America. Yeah. Like, why would I fake being chronically ill or disabled for that well, little There are money? people that do, trust me. <laughs> but, but, I mean, okay. the actual people with disabilities and well-known, documented disabilities and temporary or a permanent, you know, uh, why are you wanting to make things more difficult for them? If it's, you know, it's right there for you to look at and know for sure. Yeah, it's also, I, oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, I think that it's much more a case of yeah, maybe some people are not telling the truth and whatever, but the, those are few and far between. And too often it gets used in a, as an excuse to say, okay, yeah. we're not going to help anyone because this might happen, that might happen, but it's probably not very often yeah. that, it, that it does. Right. That's exactly what I wanted to say too. It's like they they basically use those couple of people um as an excuse to just make it the default to treat you like you're just faking it and yeah. that's not cool yeah um we've also discussed in the past okay so fine you are not sure if somebody has a permanent disability or not or if it is just temporary or you know whatever's going on uh well, every single person has a social security number. Can't our identity is already attached to that. So can't you attach their permanent disability onto that? Why am I having to renew anything I need? Mm -hmm. And prove every single time that I'm still permanently disabled. It didn't change. <laughs> well, because they're kind of hoping that you're just getting better and that they don't have to pay anymore. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, whether I'm getting better or stagnant or whatever is irrelevant, you know, my disability is still here. And I, it's still progressive. It's not going anywhere. I'm just at a, a standstill right now. <laughs> but yeah, we also talked about how uh, you know it's it's very it's uh, totally the opposite of the way they handle like criminal justice or whatever. Generally, if someone gets arrested for a crime. There, it's assumed that they're innocent unless you can give this mountain of evidence that 
says they're not innocent. But mm. with disability, it's the exact opposite. No one believes you until you mm. give them a mountain of evidence proving that you're being honest and you're, you know. Yeah, and even that might not be enough because then you might look like a, a young, healthy woman and then it's assumed that all the documentation is fake. <laughs> Bill, right because like i have i have folders full of like documentation of my i don't even know 10 or 12 chronic conditions that i have by now and it's just like that doesn't matter because they look at me and if i'm not looking like i'm like almost dead basically they don't <laughs> believe that i'm sick because i don't look like like i am right and right. it's also I'm, I'm not a person that I don't know. I, I don't go to the doctor's office and like when I'm really suffering, because when I'm when I'm suffering, I'm at home in my room in my bed and nobody can see me, right? You only see me outside on a good day. And then usually I look fine, but that doesn't mean that I'm not sick. <laughs> but that's what they assume. And I don't know, it's it's really hard to navigate that because if you look too sick then they will they will say you're depressed and you know you're just like letting yourself go or whatever and if you look fine then you're faking it so it's just like whatever you do it's wrong anyways and i think the um you bring up a good point that uh it's it's not really the the onus isn't on the person who's sick or whatever to prove that they're sick i mean and that's not the problem the problem is whoever's listening to this has this unconscious bias of what they think a disabled person should be mm. or should look like or should act like and that's the real problem that's right? true yeah i mean there are tons of stereotypes of disability and then there's a big gender bias as well like just the fact that I'm, well, I'm not so young anymore, but when this all started, I was really young. Um, and, and then doctors already have a specific thinking about, you know, what's wrong with me. And it's usually, well, that person is probably depressed, um, which I heard so many times. And then that goes on to into my report and then that gets handed from doctor to doctor and like really everyone just sees that report and doesn't even do any tests on me anymore because it's already clear it's been done by the experts so why should we question exactly and it's also i can i can really not count anymore how often i've heard from doctors well but you don't look disabled <laughs> i'm like okay, what do you think, what am I supposed to look like? And they were just like reading the list of my conditions. And they're like, well, if I read this, this sounds like you're 90 years old and like almost dying. I'm like, well, maybe I have learned how to cope with my conditions. And I'm just, you know, I'm used to chronic pain. I'm used to having symptoms. I'm just, if this takes over my whole day, then I don't have a life anymore. So I need to kind of function with my conditions. Right. Right. We talked previously about, you know, doctors or insurance, whether not approving like 
if you need a certain treatment or like an MRI or something, you know, but it's okay. So the medical community is constantly telling us of the advances that are going on. But if they don't allow someone who has something to get tested or get scanned or whatever needs to happen uh, or take their blood even, you know, um, it's pretty counterintuitive of the medical community to say we've made all these advances but we don't want to <laughs> we don't want you to know we don't want to prove it with a scan that'll just throw them to the bus so <laughs> i don't get i mean that. i think what they're actually saying is that medicine has made lots of improvements but only for rich people <laughs> right exactly <laughs> because, I mean, yeah. it is true. We are making lots of progress, right? I mean, like just over oh, the last no. couple of years in the pandemic, what we've seen in like fast research and like the outcomes of that was absolutely amazing. But right. it's also like, this doesn't do shit for me if I right. don't get the MRI or if I don't get the, I don't know, new cancer treatment or whatever, because if I don't have access to that because I can't pay for it, it's not doing anything for me. Yeah, no, uh, sorry, I was, I was meaning like if you're, you don't have great health insurance, you mm -hmm. don't have the privilege of those advances to look to because the medical community doesn't want those people that don't have good insurance to be able to have access to those medical procedures or MRIs or whatever, because they don't want to they don't want to tell on themselves about we're not giving them that same treatment as the people who have a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, but that's kind of how disabled people get treated everywhere, right? Um, kind of like they're inferior, they're not really worth the money because they don't contribute anything. I mean, there are lots of like stereotypes about disabled people that probably those folks that work at the insurance companies believe themselves, right? So they probably hold the same stereotypes against us. Yeah. One very tangible example we had here in Canada, I don't know if uh, you had it in Germany um, and maybe they had it in the US too, I don't know. But uh, during the pandemic, they said to all the uh, non-disabled people that were uh, out of work because of the pandemic, because everything shut down, you get $2,000 a month, right? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, for all the people who are going through the same thing, the isolation and the not being able to work on a daily basis, right? Um, they get like maybe $1,300 a month. Yeah, and and so essentially that's saying you just don't have as much value mm -hmm. yeah well that's kind of what we are hearing all the time right I mean like the pandemic has made that clear on so many levels it was also 
the same when they said basically disabled people should just die because we don't care about them. So we don't want to follow any regulations to make sure the vulnerable population, you know, doesn't die. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's always assumed that we don't have the same kind of value, even though like lots of disabled people are amazing, amazing people who contribute so much more than lots of non-disabled people I know. But I'm not like I'm not. I don't want to do any like or create any sort of uh, stereotypes. <laughs> Maybe we can kind of uh, switch gears here for a second, um, and uh, you can tell us a bit about what what you work on and what sort of projects you're involved in. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> well, so. Um, so since 2020, basically since the pandemic, um, that kind of caused me a lot of anxiety, especially in the beginning, you know, and a lot of like feelings of, I don't really know where my life is going right now. Um, so I took on a lot of like new projects to kind of distract myself because that's what I always do when I feel worry or fear is like I distract myself with things that that give me a feeling of purpose and belonging basically um and so as a journalist all my work centers around disability and chronic illness so i've made it <laughs> let's say my specialty <laughs> um to write or like i do podcasts i also film um, but it's always about representing um, people with chronic illnesses and disabilities accurately because as you both know, <laughs> um, not all the media um, talk about disability in the right way. They also kind of use stereotypical narratives, which is not really helpful. So I kind of try to change that, which is quite a big goal, I would say. <laughs> um, probably a lifelong goal, I guess. Um, so, but I do a lot of like writing um, and right now I, um, I just finished my first book, um, which is a kind of a medical scientific book about my condition um, in German, because there really are no resources in my language. Everything is in English and lots of German um, people don't really speak English. So it was important to create a resource for them, too. Um, and then I also am working on a couple of film projects, <laughs> which, wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of my passion. Um, I'm not a trained filmmaker or anything, but I kind of approach everything like from a journalistic perspective, I guess. So um, I only do documentary films because mm -hmm. I don't really, I'm not that creative. I could like never just write a narrative film or anything. <laughs> but yeah, I do documentaries and kind of center people with disabilities and just try to improve their representation and improve how people see other people with disabilities right so that's what i'm working on we definitely you know we're we're slowly getting things the way we we want it for m4g i media you know but and eventually we want to uh spotlight on our website, all of the different projects that our guests have been working on. So Ooh, maybe that's nice. Because <laughs> uh, 
you know, we've talked to so many different guests that very well know that the media, whether it be visual, auditory, visual, or, you know, reading a book, you know, mm. we, we want to compile all of those things because that the community very well knows that that is how people soak in stuff and that, you know, they're able to recognize things and see things. Mm -hmm. in, like you were saying, you do documentaries, you know. Um, I've watched a lot of documentaries and have formulated my own opinions. And I, I like documentaries because I can actually see exactly what's going on and, mm. and the reality of things and not just the glam glam of the entertainment industry, you know, in yeah. Hollywood, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about eventually being able to compile all that stuff from all the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's super important to um, use different kinds of uh, formats, right? Because um, like a lot of people I know, they can't really read a book because they can't really hold the book. It's too heavy or it's just too exhausting to read all the time because, you know, you need a lot of like focus and concentration and some people can't do that. And so that's why I created a podcast because that kind of caters to those other people who can't read my content so they can at least listen to my podcast. And then right. film is yet another option, right, <laughs> for yet mm -hmm. other people. And this way, I kind of try to be at least as accessible as I can. I mean, I'm only one person, so I can't be, I, I can't create content in like all of those formats. You know, I can't have a text and a podcast and a video for like the same thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's just too much for one person. But I can at least try to, you know, like have little pieces for everyone in order to yeah, create a little more access. And I feel like that's working quite well for me because it's also, you reach so many more people because lots of people consume content in different forms, right? So right. like, let's say on my podcast, I have a completely different audience from mm -hmm. like my the people that watch my film, for instance. And so right. that's a huge benefit for me too, because that way my audience is, is just much bigger, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we definitely uh, know, especially now, uh, that so many different people, especially having disabilities, uh, can view different things and hear different things in different ways. So you don't want to make it inaccessible to somebody, the no. information or, or, you know, whatever, because of their disability. That's not inclusive, no. uh, you know. So we, you know, really strive to be able to especially on our website you know we want everybody to have the information put it put it out there I, I, however they need to 
be able to interpret what they see. I'm saying that all wrong. Um, <laughs> um, however, they need to be able to. Submit or. Yeah, thank or, you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If, do you have. Um... Do you know if you have blind uh, viewers that view those videos? Because maybe then we should describe ourselves and give like some sort of a, a video description for them. Uh, I've never thought about that before. I mean, <laughs> we definitely have, um, you know, the uh, an option for blind. But I mean, in our videos itself, We've never even talked about that. That might be something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, audio description um, for videos for blind people would be pre pretty awesome. And it's also, it's pretty easy to do with your videos because it's just us three talking, right? So I would just describe what we look like and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah we'll, we'll definitely link into that. <laughs> thank you for recommending that and that's just you know accessibility is like it's little things sometimes and like everyone can do something to improve it even if it's not it is i think it doesn't need to be a hundred percent perfect it's just like everybody mm -hmm. needs to to start doing something and then we just take it from there right we really appreciate that because <laughs> of course you know, we're both disabled, so we've kind of taken what we know would be of benefit, you know, to the disability community from personal experience. Yeah. But when somebody else can say, hey, why don't you try this too? Um, that's very much, you know, saying to us that as a whole, as the disability community, we want to be inclusive for everybody. So thank you. Well, it's, I think it's really hard to, you know, be inclusive for everyone, especially because we have such different experiences, right? I mean, it's like, it's really hard for me to sometimes know what somebody needs who is blind or who is deaf, you know, because it's, for me, it's very abstract because it's an experience that I don't have and I try to listen to those people and I try to like you know at least improve my stuff or my content based on what they suggest the best way I can so Karina we hear you're working on another film do you want to tell us about it yes absolutely um so I've actually traveled through the United States uh, for, I think, I don't know, eight weeks or so um, during summer. And I have filmed a couple of amazing people. So um, my first film that I made um, a couple of years ago was about people that live with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And um, I made a huge mistake by not including as many and diverse people as I wanted to. Um, so that was okay I don't really want to justify well it was for my master's thesis and there wasn't much time and I wasn't quite fully aware of how important diversity is 
anyway, so <laughs> I realized that later um, and I wanted to be better and make up for that. And also just because as a journalist, I came in contact with so many amazing people over the years, especially in the United States, right? I was connected to incredible advocates and people with just the most amazing stories. And so what I did was I contacted all these people that I've met, you know, throughout the years. And I was like, hey, we should do a film on um, people with multiple marginalized backgrounds. So it's basically a film on intersectionality. It's um, all people with disabilities who also belong to other marginalized communities um and all have uh, different disabilities visible ones invisible ones physical mental health um and they have different ethnic backgrounds and you know some belong to the lgbtq community so it's like really a diverse group of people <laughs> and um yeah i filmed them and now i'm working on a feature film on their lives and also you know the bigger issue of what happens if you are disabled and, <laughs> you know, because we already have lots of challenges if we live with a disability, but what happens if you are, you know, an ethnic minority or if you are gay or on top right. of being disabled. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's my next film and hopefully it turns out well. <laughs> we'll see. I'm kind of having a, a little bit of writer's block right now because... I'm so stressed out that I won't tell the story like the best possible way that I, I kind of, I can't even start writing. Yeah. So, yeah. And Tricky. then too, there's just so much dealing with what you talked about, the, you know, the different races and different uh, backgrounds and poverty levels and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then if you throw a disability in there, it's like I alluded to before, it's just like yeah. 10 times worse. So there's a lot there for you to work with. And I, that's totally understandable that it would, throw a branch in what you really want to do and you want to you want to get it right you don't want yeah. the wrong information to get out there and people to create the wrong biases on the wrong information <laughs> so well I especially kind of just want to do right by these people because they trusted me with their story and right. uh, I, they are all so special so I I feel like the <laughs> my problem is that I I have so much like empathy for them and so much also love because I I know all these people right they are they aren't just like a random person I'm interviewing they are all people that I've known over the years that I've talked to you know I know their backgrounds and <laughs> I don't know yeah. this is like this is really the first time that this happens to me I've never had a problem like this before I usually just can you know write um I just write it down but this time I can't and I've been like kind of staring at my wall right next to me where I put like little post-it notes with quotes and topics and all that and I'm just like every day I'm staring at this wall and I just can't get started <laughs> I just hope this changes anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, it 
it's quite amazing like to you know have all this information and all these things and want to do it right you, you owe people so much to but to tell the story the right way and yeah. share people's experiences but do it justice yeah. you know don't just tell a story which is a lot of what hollywood is that they just want to get content out there and make that money <laughs> you know but i yeah. think when you when you put empathy in there and you want to authentically and you know, openly share people's stories, but you want to do it in a fruitful way that's not going to degrade. No, yeah, and you know, the whole picture, show the whole picture of what's going on. I think that it does make a difference if a disabled person tells the story because while I don't belong to, you know, like multiple marginalized communities, I at least belong to one. <laughs> so I at least have the disability perspective. And like I would hopefully say, or I would consider myself a pretty open minded person who is very interested in other people's experiences too. So right. I feel like there's lots of um, other experiences that people make that belong to other minorities that I can relate to because, you know, discrimination is something that we all experience, even mm -hmm. though they experience it much worse, obviously. But it's still something that I can a little bit relate to. And therefore, I just hope that I, I tell this story in a in a sensitive way right and hopefully most importantly represent all these people how they want to be represented i mean that's kind of my my Absolutely. highest standard um well yeah. we'll see you i will send you the film and you will be the judge of that yes <laughs> thank you thank you we look and forward to watching yeah yeah and be honest <laughs> Don't just say it's good if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Because, I mean, as disabled people, you know, market their well, we we definitely want to share our stories, but we recognize that we're not the only minority. There are other minorities there's other poverty levels out there and uh we want to we don't want so uh, yes we are a disability channel you know but at the same time we don't want to undercut them either exactly well it's also there's a lot that um, connects us like much more than separates us right so it's I think it's important like if we talk about disability we also need to talk about other minorities because you know I mean all of them intersect somehow so it's like we need to include everyone and also we are much stronger if we include everyone <laughs> right right so, yeah no we, we have all these companies that they um, 
want to show diversity, but they also need to consider being inclusive to everybody because mm. diversity is important for sure. But if those same people that are diverse and minorities or whatever, if they also have a disability, but they can't get in the door <laughs> or come to the table, then how are you being how are you being diverse and inclusive? Mm. Well, lots of companies also just kind of fake um the whole being diverse thing because right. you know right. it's it's kind of a modern thing to do these days. <laughs> because I mean, it's a hot word or yeah, yeah. trending. I mean, you, you need to like actually live it and not just say it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thanks, Karina, for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. And thanks very much for all your hard work you do with your podcast and everything. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye.